Hey there, I'm Joey Dean, lead pastor of South Lakes Church in Oklahoma City. At South Lakes Church, we exist to be radically devoted to God, relentlessly committed to true community, and remarkably passionate for the lost. We hope your faith is strengthened and you grow closer to Jesus as you listen this morning. Now let's jump into this week's message. Good morning, church. How are we doing? Okay, well, that's guy tap dance last week. I will not do that again this week, okay? So um, I went back and watched myself on YouTube doing that, and I look dumb, all right? So it's not happening again. Um, anyway, hey, uh, this morning, I would like to start off a little differently. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going around um, on the, uh, the Facebook or the fake book or whatever you want to call it, and so I don't really know. I don't really buy into a lot of things that go online, but I did receive an email, I got a text message, and so I, I lean into more of the people that I trust more than anything, and so this is an unconfirmed rumor, but regardless, we were going to do this today anyway. Um, I got unconfirmed rumors that the first martyrs um, in Afghanistan were killed over the weekend, a young family uh, with young children. Uh, they busted in, and um, anyway... Uh, the reason that I share that is because the church is just, man, it's hard to be a believer in Afghanistan. And you want to talk about something that we can't wrap our minds around? Let's try to wrap our minds around someone going door to door looking for Christians and Bibles and giving you the option, you know, um, turn or bullet. I mean, those are your options. Um, and so whether it's true or not, it's, it's happening. It's going to happen. And so I want us to pray for the church. Um, there's not much we can do halfway around the world um, outside of prayer, but there's also nothing better that we can do than to pray. So could we just uh, do this? I'm just going to give us, typically we always start off our services with prayer anyway. This is just a very specific prayer of God. Two things. Number one, if you're joining us online, I want you to do this at home too with your family. Number one, would you say pray for supernatural protection over the Christians um, in Afghanistan? And then this one's going to sound a little weird, all right? Would you pray that God would save every Taliban member? Would you pray that? Those two things. God, would you supernaturally protect Christians that are overseas right now in Afghanistan? And secondly, would you save, would you save Taliban members? Those are the two things we need. Jesus, if Jesus came to die for mankind, um, then the Taliban equal mankind in my book. And so no one is beyond salvation. And so I just want to, Pray those things. So would you just bow your heads, close your eyes, at li- online if you would do the same thing for me. And would you just pray those two things. I'm going to give you about a minute and then I'm going to open this up and then we'll dive into God's word. Father, many times there is nothing more awkward than to sit in a room full of people in silence. 
But Father, it's in the still moments that you speak the loudest, I believe. So Father, I pray, God, that you are stirring within us perhaps a passion that maybe we've forgotten about or maybe we've never had before for you. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters overseas in Afghanistan, a scenario that it's hard for me to watch on TV and it's unfathomable for me to wrap my mind around here in the United States as we are literally gathering together, broadcasting on the internet, openly worshiping you. And over there, there's people going door to door with the threat of execution, Father, and that's just hard for me to wrap my mind around. I don't get that. I don't understand that. So, Father, I pray for supernatural protection over our brothers and sisters in Christ who are doing nothing more than being obedient to the calling you've placed on their lives, and that's to be salt and light in a dark world. And so, Father, I pray for supernatural protection over them. I pray that you would give them a peace which surpasses all understanding and a joy in the midst of their suffering. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict the Taliban in such a way, God, that revival would sweep across that country. And Father, in that from the top down, that men would give their lives to Jesus. Father, you're the only one that can take an atrocity such as this and to bring yourself glory. And I don't know a better way to bring yourself glory than to see an entire regime change upside down with changed hearts. But Father, that's why you're God and I'm not. So I pray that you would be glorified in all things. It's our, it's our desire that you would keep, keep our brothers and sisters safe, Father. And God, would you use this conflict that's going on over there to stir inside of us a passion for you that we would not be okay with being comfortable, but that we would be bold in our faith proclamation. That we would not allow the common things that keep us away from obedience to keep us from obedience, but that would we remember the sacrifices that are being made, not a hundred years ago, not a thousand years ago, today. That we would remember the sacrifices that are being made by those that claim Christianity that put their flag and fly it proudly saying, I'm a believer. May we have the same fervor here. God, would you be with us now? Would you soften our hearts? Would you challenge us with your word? Would you meet us where we are? And we praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So this morning, a little bit more solemn than not, uh, you know, you never expect to you know, good news and stuff, but here's the thing. We're in the middle of this series called Distinctives, and in the middle of the Distinctive series, what we're doing is that we're just asking ourselves, what makes the church unique, right? What, what sets the church apart from everything else? And so in your notes, and I hope that you got notes um, this morning. I've already logged. Oh, here's mine. All right. 
So in your notes, and if you're joining us online, man, go to Uversion or go to slchurch.life, or if you're here in the room, if you want a new digital version, everything you need is online. And so, but on your sermon notes, I went ahead and I listed out the three distinctives that we've gone through so far, um, just because you've probably slept since the last time we've talked through these, okay? So here are the three distinctives that we've walked through so far. Number one is this. The church is a community of redeemed believers who confess Jesus as Lord while submitting to the truth of Scripture. So the key thing here is not that they're a community of, of redeemed believers because anyone can say, I believe in Jesus. It really is that second part. They're submitting to the truth of Scripture. How, how do you know a, a, a tree? Uh, how do you know a fruit? Uh, you, you know a tree by its fruit, I mean. And so the way you're going to know if someone is a redeemed believer, someone who's confessed Jesus as Lord, asked for salvation, is well, it's honestly it's when someone kicks the door in and says, recant your faith or, or you die. And that's a, that is a wild example, but it's, it's a very fitting one for today. And so it, it's those things, it's those steps of faith and submitting to the truth of Scripture, especially when we don't want to. Second distinctive was this. God's presence is evident in the church, and his spirit can be felt moving in a tangible way, okay? This doesn't mean that the church has to have, you know, the loudest music or smoke or it has to have the nicest buildings. You know, you can meet in a house, okay? The point is this, is that there is a feeling among the people of God. There is a peace and there is a joy that surrounds that gathering. You can feel that it's just different. And then the third one, we talked about this last week, is that Christ is coming back for his church and his church only. And this is great news, but it's also a warning to know that when Christ comes back the second time, he is going to be separating those that are believers from those that aren't. And I shared last week that there's going to be a lot of people that look the part, dress the part, smell the part, talk the part of a Christian. They go to church, they give money, they serve, but maybe they never really gave their life to Jesus. And it's in that finality of that moment that there will be a separation and you will see that Christ will take only his church home. He's not taking the United States home. He's not taking your company home. He's not even taking your family home. He's only taking those that are part of the church. And so today's distinctive is all about you and me. It's all about the people who make up the local church because one of the greatest distinctives about the church are the people who make up the church. And when you comb through scripture from the beginning of of um, when the church was started all the way until his coming back, you're going to see that there are responsibilities that God gives his people to carry out within the church. And I have gone through a series about a year and a half ago where we walked through all of those responsibilities. Um, and so let me just give you a, just real quick. This is not in your notes, but I want to throw some scripture up here. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. One responsibility of believers is this, just attend church regularly, show up, why? Because this is how we encourage one another. This is how we stir up one another to love and good works. This is where the body comes together and collectively says, in one spirit, we are going to rejoice and celebrate the King of Kings who died for us. 
attend church regularly. Proverbs 27, 17, I use this one a lot, especially in marriage counseling. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. So another thing that responsibility of believers is this, is that we should be sharpening one another. Now, we have a fancy word. It's called sanctification. It's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus in, in our daily, daily lives, okay? And we should help each other do that. How do we do that? Well, we sharpen each other through accountability, through encouragement, through prayer, through biblical discussion, through what we're doing here this morning. This is, this is what we do. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7 says the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And so there's a call to financially support the local church. And so um, um, I, I don't harp on this a whole lot, right? But I, I will say this, and I believe this 100% and scripture is very clear about this. The quickest way to know what's important in a person's heart is to go check out their checkbook or your bank account, all right? And go see, where's your money going? Is it going towards that car or, the, or that house or your hobbies or sports? And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if at the very bottom, there's a very small line, and this is the God line, if there's anything left over, this is what he's going to get. I'm going to give him a tip as if he's my server at, at you know, El Chico or whatever, and I'm going, to, I'm going to give him a tip. If that's the case, God says, uh-uh-uh, top I want the top. I want you to, sh- to trust me. And I, the list could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And here's what we've done is on the back of your bulletin, we've actually just consolidated down our covenant as a church. And so these are the biblical things. When we look at the New Testament, that every church, uh, every believer should be doing is responsible for in the church. And the reason this is important is because next week we're doing something that's super scary for this pastor, but yet very necessary. We're resetting the roles back to zero next week, and we're encouraging every covenant member to renew your covenant. Or if you've undergone uh, all the process up to before signing the covenant, next week is the moment that when you can become a covenant member for the first time, and we're asking everyone to do that, and we're asking you to do it by every covenant member received this and well, like this at home, and we just want you to check off this. Yeah, I, I commit to do these things, and and I don't. I want to be the believer that Christ calls me to be, and and, and I, I agree that this is the responsibilities that the Scripture gives me, and this is just a concise way to do this. Okay, now there's a couple things that I would encourage you on. Number one, do not approach what we're doing here with a checklist theology mentality. So what I mean is that you could very easily start going through that list and go. Going check, 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 check. And you could in some way do everything on that list, okay, whether you're faking it or not, and you could say, I must be a great Christian because I've checked off everything on my list that the pastor says I should be doing. And you could still be far from God in that, okay? So this is not a checklist mentality. And so I don't know if you've ever heard the, the difference between the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. Don't treat this as a letter of the law, like, oh, this is what I have to do to be a good believer. Treat it as the spirit of the law, meaning understand that adherence to the covenant is this. We're just saying, I understand what this is trying to get us to do. It's trying to get us all to head in the same direction, and we're all going to strive together. Second thing that I would encourage you to do is this. Don't be distraught when you look at these and go, I I cannot do these things perfectly. Listen, I wrote this six years ago. And I don't do these things perfectly, okay? However, if we all can agree that this is the standard or the goal that the scripture calls us to as believers and we're all aiming for the same target, I promise you we will be a healthier church than most. 
And so out of the last 18 months, and I realize that COVID is ramped up back up and we're right back at square zero, I feel like, in, in a lot of ways. But here's the thing. There's got to be a point where we recognize, at least as your pastor, I've recognized there are people spiritually drowning. I've had so many conversations over the last 18 months where people who call South Lakes home will call me and they will just word vomit on me. And it comes down to they are drowning spiritually. And there's a point where we have to say, do we call them out and say, well, you should have been doing this for the last 18 months? No, that's not going to help anything. No, I think what's better is to offer grace and to say, then let's all start again together. And let's all say, I'm going to move forward together. This is an opportunity for us to say, let's march together. If one of our members is down, let's not kick them. Let's help them up and say, come on, we're all doing this together. This is the start line again. And I would encourage every covenant member to renew your covenant next Sunday morning, to renew it. And there will be a sweet ceremony that will do that. There's a second part there. There are a lot of families that say, I am SL family. That's what we call all of our non-covenant families that are like, this is my home. This is where I belong. I would say this, man, become a covenant member. Become a covenant member. There's different processes for that. On September 11th, on a Saturday night at 5.30, I'm hosting a cookout. That's the first step. Come, be part of the cookout. If you said, well, I've already taken the cookout, then go to the next step and, and meet with an elder. Look, There's got to be a point where we as a people say, am I going to date the church for the rest of my life or am I going to be involved with the church? When I do premarital counseling, I always do a section on, um, hey, why get married? Why not just move in together and why not, you know, have kids together and have joint checking accounts and do all this stuff? Why go through the hassle of getting married? And the answer is this, is because when you hold off on getting married, you're telling the other person, I want to keep my options open. I want to keep my options open in case something better comes up. I don't care if we've got three kids and we've been together 15 years. If I'm not married, my options are open. But when you stand before the Lord and when you stand before um, uh, your witnesses and you say, hey, till death do us part and you stick that ring on it, this is what you're saying. I don't want any more options. You are my first and last option. You're who I want to be with. And there's a finality in that in saying you and me forever. All right? And that's what I would say, is that if stop keeping your options open and say, no, I want to join in here and be a part of what South Lakes is doing. And that's what we're going to do next week. And, and, and I would encourage you to go through the process if you need to go through the process. But today in particular, I want to focus in on one thing, because there is something that everyone needs to know about, about yourself. If you're a believer, and if you, especially if you consider South Lakes your home, 1 Corinthians 12. I hope you, hopefully you're there. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning, and we're going to be reading in verse 12, okay? So here's, here's, here we go. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So if the foot should say, well, I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, hey, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body, well, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. 
If all were a single member, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. And if one member is honored, all rejoice. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. So in your notes this morning, I want you to write down distinctive number four, and here's distinctive number four that I need you to understand. You are not replaceable. You are not replaceable. Now, here's what's shocking about this is that in almost every other area of life, you are 100% replaceable. You and I are. And I think this is especially seen in the workplace, right? Let's say that you're fortunate enough to be able to give 40, 50 years of your life to the same company and you work in the hours and you grow the profit margin and here's what to happen. They're going to throw a giant retirement party for you. And by the end of the, uh, by, by the next week, your replacement's going to be in place or you have already trained your replacement. And eventually, you're going to become nothing more than a distant memory to your work. Or, worse yet, you put in 60, 70, 80 hours a week. You bust your butt for them, only to be let go during the downsizing so that they can hire a kid fresh out of college who's going to work for 100 hours a week and work for half the pay. And you're going to be forgotten about. Let's talk about marriages. This doesn't mean in today's Western society that I don't want to, uh, that, that my options are closed because we treat as if this means nothing anymore and I can go do whatever I want and if I want to keep my options open, I can do it and if I leave you with kids or if I leave you after 40 years of marriage or all of this, it doesn't matter because I'm keeping my options open because you are replaceable. Think about sports. I know we idolize like the, the Brett Favre's and the Peyton Manning's and the Kyler Murray's and the, and the Tom Brady's of the world and yeah, they're going to have statues and yeah, they've won Heisman's but most players play very important roles but they're very insignificant in the grand scheme of we just don't know who they are and so when they retire or God forbid they get hurt and they have to quit what happens they fade off into the sunset and no one remembers their name or even that they were a professional athlete like, I'm not here to like, be Debbie Downer. I'm just saying that in every other face of life, basically, we are replaceable. And here's the reason. And it took my, I needed to bring my kids' toys out to show you this. The reason that we're replaceable is because every one of us in the world is seen by, by well, organizations and, and companies and things as this, as a brick. We're seen as nothing more than a Lego brick. And so when you're building a company, you're stacking up bricks and you're building bricks. And let's say that the time comes that you get downsized or that it's time to quit or whatever. Well, no big deal. Throw you away. We'll find a new brick and we'll just replace you and we'll just keep building. And after all, bricks are a dime a dozen. 
And this is how it is in many places. The problem is that in the church, this is not how it works. In fact, in the church, we are like my daughter's Minnie Mouse puzzle. So we are not bricks. We are puzzle pieces. Very unique. Very unique in the shape that we are. Very unique in our giftings. And here's the thing about puzzle pieces is that you just can't plug any puzzle piece into a puzzle and make it work. After all, and I know online you may not be able to see this, but this is what the picture is supposed to look like. And if I were to build this picture and say, oh, this piece is gone here with this bow, I just can't take a piece down here and make it work. One, it's not going to be the same shape, but two, it's got different printing on the front. So even if you say, I cut this off and I I slam it in there and I hammer it down, it's not going to look like how the artist or how the creator of the puzzle meant for it to be. You just can't plug and play puzzle pieces into, into puzzles and make it work. And you, if you are a believer this morning, then you are a uniquely designed puzzle piece that God has created to fulfill a very specific purpose. And here's the purpose, to make the puzzle complete. To make the puzzle complete. Let's go back to our text here in 1 Corinthians 12. Look in verse 12, it says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So in your notes, your first fill in the blank, your first single fill in the blank is this, is that there is a oneness to the body. There is a oneness to the body. In other words, yes, our bodies are made up of very many different parts. We've got toes and we've got fingers and we've got bones and we've got teeth and all this stuff. But all these parts come together to form one body. So there's one Joey, but there's many parts that make up Joey. And so what we need to understand here is that when Paul is talking here to the church in Corinth, he's not talking about the church universally. He's talking about each local church is one body. That's very important for us to understand, that each one of us fit perfectly into one body. And this is great. But what we also need to understand is this, is that each part of the body has a different function, but yet we all work together to make that one body function as one unit. And so he uses here, he says, listen, this is how it is with Christ. Now, when he's speaking of Christ here, he's not talking about Christ's body necessarily. He's saying about how Christ, he's the head of the church, and he makes up the church as a whole, and so he's part of the body. But I begin to think about the oneness of Christ, and I thought, man, Christ is the greatest example of what oneness looks like, right? In our, in our understanding of God, there's one God, but yet he shows himself in three distinct people, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we call this the Trinity, right? 
and each are distinct from the other. They all play different roles within the Trinity, but yet they all make up one God. Don't ask me how that works. It's not the same as saying that, hey, I'm a dad, and I'm a son, and I'm a father. That's not the same thing, because I'm still the same person. But somehow, it's where God, it can be a father, and a son, and the Holy Spirit, all three at the same time, all making up the one same, the, the one God. I don't know how that works. But that's how it works. So when God the Father is the head of the Trinity and he sends his son, his son walks in obedience. And when his son walks in obedience, Philippians 2 says that, he was, that God lifted his son up to be above all creation. And what did the son do? He sent the Holy Spirit down to be able to reside in the hearts of men so that we can carry on the mission that he laid before us. There's one God, three distinct parts. And it's into this oneness that you and I, if you're a believer this morning, we're saved into. He says there's one Holy Spirit. We're baptized into one body. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your education level is. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your job you have. He uses the most extremes. He says whether you're a Jew or you're a Greek or you're a slave or you're a slave owner or you're a free man, it doesn't matter. If God saves you, he saves you into one body. And the reason that he does this is not so that everyone looks the same. The, 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 the oneness of the body is not to impose uniformity upon the local church. It's not that we all wear matching uniforms. We all have to cut our hair the same way. And we all have to look and act the same way. That's not it at all. Because the reality is this. There can be unity in plurality without uniformity. In other words, there can be many of us that make up one body and we don't have to be carbon copies of each other. And that's what leads us to the next part, which is the uniqueness of each member in the body. I want you to look at verse 18. It says, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. This is a huge, huge point here. Because what we learn here is that God has specifically built the body of each local church to, in, to have all the parts that are needed to create a healthy body. Let me read that again. God has specifically built the body of each local church to have all the parts needed to create a healthy body. And because all parts are needed, what Paul goes on to say is that every member of the body is, is, is of equal importance. We're all needed. And he uses crazy examples here. He says, hey, just because you're an ear and you say, hey, I want to be an eye, so cut me off. He's like, no, you can't hear then. And, and, and an eye can't say, well, I want to be an ear, so pluck me out. It doesn't work that way. And you don't have giant ears just walking around, right? That's not how it is. That's not a body. Each role is of utmost importance when it comes to healthiness. And so Paul goes on and he says, this means that when you're looking at the body, there shouldn't be parts of the body that envy other parts of the body and says, man, I wish I could be that. Just like there shouldn't be parts of the body that goes, I'm so glad I'm not that and then I'm this instead. So let me, let me give an example. Look in verse 28. It says, God's appointed apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and gifts of healing and helping and ministrating and various kinds of tongues. So we look at this list and we think to ourselves, well, I'm none of those things, so I must not be as important as what these things are because God actually names these things out loud. But the point that Paul is making here is it doesn't matter if you're a preacher, a greeter, security, administrator, SL kids volunteer, or whatever you are, everyone is important. 
Because the worst thing that can happen in the local church is when there is division amongst the members because they're squabbling internally. I want to be this, or I want to do this, or I'm not going to do any of it. And God wants us all to be of equal importance, and he wants us to know that we are all there equally needed. And this is why we got to go back to the first point and say, because we are unique, we've got to go back to our mission, and our mission is that we are one And so because we are one, Paul says, that's going to lead to no division. And when someone hurts in the church, the whole church hurts. And when someone celebrates in the church, the whole church celebrates. Why? Because we should be that connected. A couple weeks ago, I got a hangnail. I'm not going to go into specifics, but I would tell you it wasn't a pretty picture, all right? This finger got got, uh, infected and it got, I I really haven't had a finger outside of hitting it with a hammer and it's swelling up. I mean, it, it got... It was big. Like, I would stand up in the morning for a week straight, and my feet would touch the ground. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I guess it's because of how my body and the blood rushing. But I would feel my heartbeat at my finger, and it would just run up my arm. And I thought, I'm going to have to cut this stinking arm off. I'm glad thing I'm a righty, right? That's what I was thinking. So we're just going to have to clop, uh, pop this thing off. And Christy finally goes, well, have you done this and this and this? And I'm like, well, no. That's probably not going to work. And dirty dog, it worked, all right? And so I got relief. And it was crazy because when my finger was throbbing, even tying my shoes was hard. You know, when you do the rabbit and the, around the tree and all, yeah, I couldn't pull, right? I was like, oh, this is horrible. So I went to slip on shoes, all right? Um, and if I would have done Velcro, I would have done that too. And it hurt. But when I got relief that one night when my wife finally, so I finally, I didn't want to tell my wife. And I finally told my wife. And within five minutes, she says, do this. And I'm like, all right. And it worked. And so I, the moral of the story, guys, is that tell your wife at the beginning, not at the end, all right? So, but, um, but anyway, but the next morning I woke up and I stood up and for the first time in a week and a half, I couldn't feel my heartbeat. I could feel my heartbeat. I couldn't feel my heartbeat in my arm, all right? And I could tie my shoes and I said goodbye, slip, slip-ons. And it was great. This is how the body should be. And it's important that we understand that God makes no mistakes when he's designing puzzle pieces. He also doesn't make mistakes when he's putting together the local church. He doesn't give too little or too much of something to the church because he knows it needs exactly what it needs to be healthy. But the problem is that we have a lot of unhealthy churches. So why are churches unhealthy? And I think it really comes down, well, I don't think, I know it comes down to two things. Number one is this, if a church is unhealthy or hurting, it's because of either of sin or disobedience. And disobedience is specifically disobedience to step up to the plate, to the calling that God's placed on your life for within the church. So that goes back to sin because disobedience is just sin, right? So it really comes down to sin. So let me lay out how this has played out, at least in my experience when I've watched people in the local church. What does disobedience look like in the church? Well, it looks like this. Uh, there's a need and it's like, hey, I, I, I need, I, we need help in this area. We'll, we'll pick on SL Kids because I feel like SL Kids, in any church, kids is always the biggest area of need, right? And so, um, and so people sit there and they go, well, someone else will do it, I'm sure. Or... If they could just see my schedule Monday through Saturday, like, I'm just not going to be able, like, I'm just too busy. Or, you know what? They'll figure it out without me. They'll be fine. Now, the reason that we can do this so easily is because we're viewing our lives as if we're a brick. And we believe that it's plug and play. So when I don't do, when, when I don't do, what need to be done, and I remove this, it's not plug and play, it's, uh-oh, uh-oh, the puzzle starts coming 
apart. And when the puzzle starts coming apart, here's what happens. Is that there's a couple things that lead to unhealthiness. When there's a need in the church, there's always going to be people that go, okay, well, I'm not really gifted in that area, but I think that I'll do it anyway. And so what we do is that you take people that aren't designed to fill specific roles, and what you do is you plug them in instead. Well, that doesn't work. That's, That's not connecting anything together. Well, that's because this doesn't look like this. It doesn't work that way in the church. And so what happens is that people plug into roles that they don't need to be plugging into, but that's just what they are because they have servant's heart. And so it leads to either burnout or it leads to bitterness towards the church because the church put me in that position and dirty dog, you know where I see this the most at? And I don't know if I'm like a magnet for this or what. I meet a lot of former ministers, whether they're people I went to seminary with or they're people I just run into stores with, and I'll meet. So just last week, I met a former minister. He goes, oh, I planted a church. And I'm like, sweet. I love when I meet you know, church planters in particular. And I'm like, tell me about it. He's like, well, I'm not there anymore. And I'm like, okay. Well, then where are you? I just, I don't go to church. And I'm like, you don't go to church. He goes, yeah, you know what? The sacrifice and the strain it put on my family and all of the things, it just made it hard. And so I'm just taking a break. And I'm like, well, how long have you been taking a break? It's been about five years. And I'm like, bro, that's not a break. That's not even a sabbatical, right? You gone. And that's just how it is. And I see that a lot in ministers. And the reason is because ministers are trying to approach ministry like they're this. And there's lots of things that have to get done in the church. And so they'll just start plugging into pieces that they need to plug into, right? Because no one else is stepping up and it just hurts them. I will give you a very honest glass house example from me. My wife and I have been talking a lot lately about how close I am to being burnt out because my family, especially the last two or three months, have been sacrificing above and beyond because things just need to get done. 100% honest. And so we've been getting talking about like what... What, what should we do? So like there was, a, there was a meeting here yesterday. I needed to be at the meeting. You know what I did? I went to the Jinx Aquarium with my kids. Because we're at the point in my life where things need to get done, but it's not worth sacrificing my family over. And so... And and I sat there and I think about all the other ministers and I go, why aren't they in ministry anymore? And I think because they're approaching life like this is who they are and this is how I've been approaching life the last two, three, four, five, six months, I don't know, maybe all of 2021, I don't know. And instead, I forgot that this is who I am. This is who I am. A very specific piece that God's designed to fill a role. And when I... I was about to rip that, but then I remember my, I love my daughters. So, um, so when I approach church like this, then what happens is I start sacrificing. And my wife and I begin having tough conversations. Because ministry has to get done. But when a church walks in disobedience, just in general, I now understand Why ministers walk away? I get that. It's easy to get burned out. I think another example of unhealthiness is when people go, I just can't do this, or I'm not designed to do this, or I don't want to do this, or I don't have time, is that ministry needs, they just go unmet. And a lot of times, there are ministry needs that need to be met. But the church is unable to do the things that God's called them to. Why? Because 
whoever was that puzzle piece that's designed to fit in there is not doing it. And so the church goes, I guess we're just going to have to wait. So uh, uh, at the beginning of summer, we launched SO Kids Ministry, and we did this cute little mantra, and I sprung it up on the, on the staff, and then I sprung it up on you, and everyone's like, well, that was out of nowhere. Where, where, where did that come from, and why are we doing that? And it all, it's all because of today, right? And so um, I, I was thinking way in advance and thinking, how can I set up today's message um, by doing it at the beginning of summer? And we, and we needed a lot of kids volunteers, right? And so I said, at South Lakes, I want us to be the, the Chick-fil-A of churches on Sunday morning. Okay, and our, our, our intern, Will, made a cute little South Lakes church with the, with, the, um, with the Chick-fil-A logos and everything. And everyone's like, okay, well, what does that mean exactly? So one of my good friends is a gentleman by the name of Jonathan, and he's owned a couple of Chick-fil-A restaurants in Oklahoma. Um, he, owned, he started off um, owning um, one up in Edmond, and then he sold it, and he moved down to Lawton, and he, and he bought the one in Lawton. Why you would choose to go from Edmond to Lawton, that's got to be a calling of God. That's all I can think of, right? But because uh, those are two very diametrically different places to live. But, you know, I, I like to pick his brain every now and then, and, and I'm like, what is it that makes Chick-fil-A so successful? And Jonathan says, you know what, it's not the food. And it, it's not, it's not the, the, our, 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 our menu's not huge, right? It's not anything like that. It's that everyone understands how they fit within the organization. And they carry out their roles with joy and with passion because of that. And I thought, huh, that makes sense to me. So I, th- I began thinking about the drive through at Chick-fil-A. You know, you can drive up at lunchtime and there can be 7,200 cars wrapped around a Chick-fil-A, right? Like it's a 14-mile trek. And you've got like, you know when you're going to the amusement park and you're standing in line for the roller coaster and it's like your, your ride is 45 minutes away and for some reason you just stay, right? Like there could be this huge line and you'll stay. You'll pour. You, you, you'll drive up and go. Oh, well, this ain't going to be very long, right? And why is that? Because when you get up to Chick Fil A, you got the guy that's always in the vest or the lady, and they're directing traffic. And then when you pull up, there is like a fleet of people with their with their 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 computers, and they're they're taking your order, right? And they're scanning your phone for your app or whatever it is. And then they go, "Well, you pull forward, and they'll take your money." And if you pull forward, and you take your money. And then while all that's going on, there's someone in the kitchen who's preparing the food. And when they get it out, they begin to bag the food. And then they don't wait for you to come to the window. God bless them. They hand it to their line of runners that are outside the, 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 the takeout window. And they hand it and they bring it to you in a basket. And they go, here you go. Have a nice day. And the greatest thing in the world is when you can drive by the Chick-fil-A window and you don't have to stop and you just wave. And you're like, uh-huh, see ya. Like, there's been some times where I've gotten my food before I paid the person at the pay window, at the pay kiosk. And I'm like, man, if I was just in my Jeep, I'd just go. I, not really. That's not true, all right? I, 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 but anyway, I'm like, wow, this is efficiency. This is awesome. And I've only met, I've thought about someone that one Chick-fil-A member um, that is truly a grumpy pants, all right? We'll just call him a grumpy pants. Um, and I, I still haven't met one that doesn't say, have a nice day, which is awesome, um, Here's the thing. Why? Because everyone's on the same page. Everyone's aiming for the same goal. Everyone recognizes their importance to the overall mission. And so I begin thinking, what happens when you remove those components from an organization? And I, I brainstormed it with the staff on, on, uh, on Monday, and, and this is what we came up to. When you remove those points of what make Chick-fil-A so unique from an organization, you know what you get? A Freddy's. 
you get a Freddy's. Now, no disrespect for those of you that might have worked at Freddy's before or you currently work at Freddy's. But here's the thing about Freddy's. Freddy's is good food. It is. In fact, I think Freddy's has some of the best ice cream around. Uh, not ice cream, sorry, French fries around. And if you're a custard fan, they say it's to die for. But anyway, I'm not a custard fan. So, But, I, but here's the thing. When you walk in or when you drive up, you know it's going to be slower service than Chick-fil-A. You know it's not going to be near as clean as Chick-fil-A. Sometimes you can skate on the floors, all right? It's going to be hit or miss on the attitude of the worker. Some, I, I met some of the nicest workers at Freddy's, and I've met some of the most distraught workers in the world at Freddy's. I really have. And you know what? It is worthy to come back to because the food is good. All right, maybe the service isn't always top quality, or maybe it's not as fast, but it's okay to come back to. You're just not going to come back as often as Chick-fil-A. So when you see 72 cars wrapped around a Chick-fil-A, you're like, oh, I'll wait there. That'll take a whole seven minutes, right? But when you see, 70, when you see three cars at a Freddy's, you're like, I, I got to get my lunch before tomorrow. So, I mean, and so it's just not the same. It's good, but it's not good enough. And another thing, and I don't know, and if you've seen this, take a picture and send it to me. I've never seen a sign up at a Chick-fil-A advertising that they're trying to hire people. But everywhere else I go, it's like everywhere, now hiring. You can start today, right? I mean, like, hire, hire, hire. We'll pay you $45 an hour. Come on, hire, hire, hire. And I've just never seen that at Chick-fil-A. Everyone else is begging for workers. But Chick-fil-A is like... I've got a fleet of people that will bring you your, your food in a basket and smile and tell you to have a nice day. And that's more people than McDonald's has working behind the counter sometimes. Now, why is that? It's because I believe people want to be at a place where they are valued and they understand that what they're doing is making a difference. Even if it is handing someone a bag of food or taking money. And here's the thing. Is the church not a place where differences are being made? Not temporary differences, eternal differences. And this is why this distinctive is so important to me, because you are not replaceable. You're not. You were created by Almighty God. You were saved into a family and made into a specific puzzle piece for a purpose, and that purpose is to fit into a local church to make the puzzle piece or to make the puzzle whole. And if we recognize this, that this is what makes the church unique, that everyone's needed, then South Lakes will not be able to be stopped because we will be walking in obedience to what God has called us to as a church body. That's everyone working together, intricately figuring out where do I fit with the puzzle piece, not trying to stack bricks on top of each other, right? that may or may not fit, and you end up with something super janky, right, and you're teetering, and you're like, oh, that's cute, yeah. That's just not how it's supposed to be. But when we recognize, wait a second, you're telling me that I am more than a throwaway brick. Yes. Yes, you are. We're not a big puzzle people at my house, but when my wife does do a puzzle, she has to do like the 75,000 piece puzzle. I don't know why she chooses it, but she does. And I remember we were putting together, I think it was like a Thomas Kincaid one or, no, it was a Disney one. Putting together a Disney one. We lost a piece and that thing sat on a foam board for a year. 
because we couldn't frame it because it would have a hole in it. And I remember when we found that puzzle piece that there was much rejoicing in the Dean household because <laughs> we were like, yes, all these hours of work, not for waste, and, and, and we put that up, but you needed that piece because it just wasn't, it wasn't frame-worthy because it wasn't a whole picture. And so it sat up in storage. Well, it sat underneath my cedar chest for a year, praying, please let us find this. See, when we understand who we are and what we've been created for and how we've been designed, Ephesians 4 happens. So I love Ephesians 4, just the whole chapter, but Ephesians 4.15 says this. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus here. And he says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by, what's that word, church? Uh, let me read it again, and then we'll all say it together. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. Now, I don't need to go Greek nerdy on you, but I will. That word every literally means, are you ready? Every. It means every. Every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, when each puzzle piece is fit into where God designed it to be, it makes the body, in other words, the local body, grow so that it builds itself up in love. And the only way this happens is when each part is plugged into where it's supposed to be, the church is equipping the saints for the work of ministry, and everyone's working properly, and the body is building itself up. That's the end result when everyone recognizes that you are not replaceable. So at the bottom of your sermon notes, there's a little, little cute little mantra here, I guess you could say, and I'd like you to fill it in. It says this, I am not a Lego piece, but a unique puzzle piece. I'm a Lego brick, I'm sorry. I am not a Lego brick, but a unique puzzle piece. All right, I've been going around saying this out loud because I kind of, I felt silly coming up with this and I was like, I'm gonna have to say this with confidence when it's time comes time, right? So on the count of three, I'd like for us all to say this together, right? One, two, three. I am not a Lego brick, but a unique puzzle piece. And if you're a believer and if South Lakes is your home, that is very true. That's very, very true. If you call someplace else home, then that's very true for you. You have been designed to help complete a picture of a local church. Now, this is where things get a little hairy, right? Because when Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus or when he wrote to the church in Corinth or when he wrote to the church, um, the churches in Galatia, or so, like there wasn't like a first Baptist church of Ephesus and a first assembly of God and a first church of Christ and a life church at Ephesus campus, right? There wasn't any of that. There was one church, lots of house churches, one church, Okay. And so if you got mad, it's not like you could just go down the street because there were 1,700 churches within a three-mile radius of each other, right? You stay connected with that church. And so when you understood that God designed you to be a puzzle piece of a local church, in Ephesus, it wasn't like, well, I'm just going to bounce and go to another church because it's the same church. And in Oklahoma, if you get mad or if you get burned out or if someone rubs you the wrong way, you're like, well, I can just bounce because there's more churches down the street that I can go to. But I, I would caution us in a couple things. Number one, if you're a bouncer, okay, meaning bouncing church, church, 
Are you really getting plugged in to that church? Or secondly, were you the puzzle piece that God created to be in that church? And it's the church's responsibility to help you, to come alongside of you, and, and to help you say, how do you fit? It, it is. Right, the rest of that Ephesians 4 passage says, you know, like part of my calling is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So how do I come alongside of, how do I help sharpen, and how do I, how do I help encourage, and how do I help say this is how God's created you to be, and, and so how, how do we walk in obedience, right? And so it makes it a little hairy, when churches are like a dime a dozen, right? It's different than Afghanistan, right? I don't think anyone's worrying about denominational affiliation over there right now. I'm not seeing Facebook posts going around saying, okay, Southern Baptist, you just pray today. Catholics, you got tomorrow, <laughs> right? Church of Christ, don't worry, you're coming up on Friday. I'm seeing a call for the church to say, let's pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, you are not disposable. In fact, you're essential. And so I've been ra wrestling, wrestling, wrestling with how do I help people that call South Lakes home, how do I help you wrap your mind around how you fit? And so we've come up with these little cards, and Melinda, our business administrator, is going to pass it out. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pass out. There's a basket, and there's a card in it. And if you are a teenager or above, and you consider South Lakes home, I definitely want you to take one. If you're just visiting with us, hey, take one anyway, and you can, you can check it out, all right? You don't have to do anything with it. But here's the thing, and Jeremy's going to throw this graphic up on, on the screen. And if you're joining us online, man, shoot me an email, joey.dean at slchurch.life, and let me know, like, where it is that you, that you think you're plugged in. So we just boiled it down not to what's your spiritual gifting and what, what's your past experience. We're just asking the simple question, where do you fit? That's it. And we just kind of came up with some generalities. So are you outgoing? Is technology your thing? Do you want to pour into the next generation? I mean, I, and you can see that. And then we just came up with examples. Like if you're into technology, well, hey, guess what? The creative team, which is like the sound booth and stuff, maybe for you, or maybe you want to help with social media, or maybe you want to help with the, with the website, right? But if, you're like, if you like to work with your hands, maybe you want to help with playground upkeep as it just needs some TLC out there, or maybe you want to help with church work days, or if we have some routine maintenance, like, I don't know, say the church floods because we get 45 inches of rain, right? And, and you're like, I could come up and I could shop back and I could help do that kind of stuff, right? And then there's this other tab, and this other tab is us recognizing that there probably are other things that you love to do that aren't listed here. So if you like to crochet uh, sweaters for cats, right, put that down. I'm not going to promise we're going to have a spot for people who crochet cats, sweaters for cats, but maybe you can crochet uh, sweaters for children. I don't know. But I mean, put down in the other section, if you say none of those tickle my fancy bone, all right, my funny bone, I mean, then go ahead and put down in there what it is that you like. Now, if you're currently serving, we're not trying to talk you out of serving. We want you to write down how you're currently serving. If you're happy, great. Then put down, I, you know, uh, Joey Dean, um, SL Kids or whatever it is, SL Host Team or, or you know, Computer Check-In or whatever. And then put your name on there, put your phone number on there. And what I, I'm sorry, I missed an important point. If you're like, okay, what do I do here? I want you to circle two of them. 
Which two are you like, I like to do these things? Circle the two. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pass the buckets back around, and you're going to put those in, and then Monday, we're going to sort through all the cards, and I promise you that by Friday, you're going to get a phone call from a staff member that's going to say, hey, I noticed, and I used my wife last time, so I'll use her again. Christy, I noticed that you put down you want to invest in the next generation. What does that mean? And she's like, well, I really like um, kids, okay? What kind of kids? Well, I like younger kids. All right, do you like changing diapers or do you like kindergartners or somewhere in between? And so we're trying to say, this is who I, who God has created me. This is what I like to do. And then we're going to have deeper conversations to find out how do you fit specifically. And then we're going to try you out. And here's the thing. You try it out and you're like, oh, man, this is the worst. And we're like, guess what? That doesn't mean you're useless. It just means we try to plug you into the wrong piece of the puzzle. That's it. So let's go back to the drawing board. Let's go see how you do fit. But here's the thing. I have to believe with every fiber of my being that every puzzle piece that is needed right now for, what is this day? August 22nd, 2021, currently calls South Lakes home. And so if we sit and go, ah, uh, why are we hurting? It's either because, A, God's saying we're not ready for that ministry and so let's not do it, or it's because people are sitting by living a life of disobedience. And maybe it's just because you don't realize that you're way more valuable than you think you are. You are not replaceable. You're not. You're not. You are essential absolutely essential. And you don't even have to be a covenant member to serve at South Lakes. There's some things you can't serve in if you're not a covenant member. There's a lot of areas you can serve in. If you are a believer, if you've asked Jesus into your life, if he's king of your life and South Lakes is your home, then serve because you are not replaceable. And that's what makes the church unique is because you're needed. And when there's a void, that you're supposed to fill, the church hurts. You know how I know this? Because Paul tells me in Corinthians, because we're joined together, and when, when something hurts, the whole body hurts. And when we rejoice, we rejoice together. And so I just want you to circle, what, what's your top two? What do you like to do? Or write down where you currently serve, or, or so, write down something else, put your name, and on there we're gonna pass the buckets one more time. I promise it's just gonna be the staff that sees this. So if you do put down knitting sweaters for cats, I promise we're not posting that on social media, okay? And I, I want to help you. I want to help you. If you're online, once more, joey.dean at slchurch.life. You can email me and say, this is where I would like to at least explore. I would implore every person, teenage and up, to do this. To do this. Help make us whole. And then next week we're going to come and we're going to have a special time as we're going to do a covenant renewal service. And so, and it's going to be a sweet time of fellowship and a sweet time of just being reminded this is who we are in Christ and these are what God calls us to so that we could be a healthy church, okay? I just want to lead us to be the healthiest that we can be. And I think this is what Distinctus is doing. It's saying this, this is who we are and this is what sets us apart and this is what sets the church apart. Let's serve. Let's serve. And not in a way where you're like, oh, I have to serve today in kids again. If that's your attitude, don't serve in kids. <laughs> 
don't. We'll put you somewhere else. One of my least favorite moments is when people ghost me. So if you don't know what ghosting means, just Google it, all right? Where people volunteer to sign up and then maybe volunteer once and then we don't see them again and I'll call or I'll text or I'll email or I'll Facebook and it is like crickets. And you're like, as a pastor, you're like, maybe the rapture happened and I got left behind, (laughs) you know? But why does that happen? Because people are trying to fit into places they don't, or they weren't designed to fit into. I don't want to be that church for you. I want to be the church that helps you find the right spot. Let me pray for you guys. Father, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, very unique, very different sermon today. I understand that. But Father, one that I think that probably there's several people need to hear, that they need to understand that they are way more important than they could ever imagine, Father, that they are way more critical to the local church than they could imagine. God, honestly, in in many ways, they are way more important to this church than even they are to their workplace. God, the things that we do here have eternal value, God, and, and are of utmost importance. And Father, I just want us to all be a complete puzzle piece. And I want us to be honoring to you and I want us to glorify you in all things, God. And I want to walk in obedience to you. I know that I will find fulfillment when I walk in obedience. I know that the church will be more whole when we walk in obedience. God, would you encourage people today that they are not replaceable. They are way more valuable than they could ever imagine. And there is no job too small. And there's no job too big. That you've provided every single person needed to be able to get the job done that you called us to as a church. So church, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you to do one thing this morning before you stand and join TJ as he sings. I want you to ask the question to God, if you're not currently serving in an area, or if you're unhappy in the area that you're serving, would you just ask God this question, where do I fit? Where do I fit? The reason I'm going to ask you to ask that question first off is I, I need you to have it out with God before the staff calls you so that when we call you, you can be like, oh yeah, I've talked to God about this. I know exactly where I fit. And I'll be like, great. And let's get you connected. Would you ask him that question? Where do I fit? Second question is this. If you've never asked Jesus into your life before, if you've never become a believer if you've ever asked God to forgive you of your sins, then would you do that? Because you can't be a puzzle piece that can be used in the church or, or can bring God glory, honestly, until you're a child of God. And so I ask that you would just consider this morning giving your life to Jesus, just simply telling him that you are a sinner, that you don't deserve forgiveness, that you ask him to forgive you and that you ask him to come be king of your life. The scripture is very clear. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So whether you're asking God, where do I fit? Or you're asking God to come live in your heart for the first time ever. Would you talk to him about what it is that you need to talk about this morning? Father, move in a mighty way. When you're done talking to God, would you stand on your feet and join TJ and the band as they sing? But not until you're done asking God, where, where do I fit? Where do I belong? God, work mightily. TJ, let's go ahead and sing. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about South Lakes Church, go to slchurch.life.